Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checker to Green. The podcast all about racing is told by two lifelong racing fans and from time to time, talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode number 36. I am Elliot Tardiff alongside my colleague, David Maudi. David, good evening. Good evening, Elliot. How are you? Doing terrific. Um, we are finally breaking into spring, even if uh, spring was the first day of spring was only a few days ago. We're feeling uh, very comfortable weather here. Uh, the jackets are starting to be shed. The heavier winter coats have definitely been put away, although we need, may need to bring them back out here in the coming days. And it is now pollen season here in the Carolinas. It's uh, kind of uh, a begrudged but common tradition in these parts uh, this time of year that um, storm clouds give way to pollen clouds, literally, to the point where um, it actually impacts visibility <laughs> down here. So if, uh, if you suffer from allergies, this is not a fun time of year, typically. And uh, when I first moved here, I did not. But as time has gone on, I've started to, to feel it. And my wife, God bless her, she has allergies pretty bad. So it's um, not uh, not a fun time for her. And I think our son has them too, because we've uh, noticed him having some effects this year uh, from uh, from the pollen. So, But otherwise, it's a terrific time of year. And uh, before we get into... Uh, the late spring and summer, you know, things get stormier and then they just plumb flat, get hot. So enjoying the uh, the time now of more temperate weather while we have it. Yeah, it's been nice up here in New York. Uh, let's just say spring has finally come. Temperatures are in the 40s, low 50s. We've had a couple days in the 60s. The nice thing is, um, you know, it's been a little rainy. We had a little snow, but the nice thing up in New York State this year, in March around this time, it's maple season. And tomorrow, I am actually, from when we're recording this, I'm actually heading out to Rochester, New York tomorrow to go meet up with a good friend from college. And we're going to actually have, um, we're going to meet at Maple Farm, have a nice pancake breakfast with homemade maple syrup from the Maple Farm. And then walk the trail and watch the process. And, you know, if you're ever up in New York State in March, stop by one of these local maple farm farms and watch how they actually take sap and make it into maple syrup. It is amazing. And you can find some really good maple syrup up here. Um, I mean, it, it puts the, the stuff you buy in the store to shame. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm a, a big fan of maple syrup and an equally big fan of scratch made pancakes and especially from uh, from small farms and restaurants like that. So I may have to check that out next time I'm up there. But speaking of really sweet, the racing in the last couple of weeks since we've been on has been sweet itself. Um, and also 
substantive. We've had a lot of uh, big racing and really important races uh, to that have happened here the last couple of weeks. And let's jump right into it. We had the um, the Formula One uh, kickoff in Bahrain uh, this past weekend. We had IndyCar in Texas. We had uh, the Cup Series at Vegas and Phoenix. We also had the uh, the much vaunted uh, restrictor plate race at Atlanta. And we're going to get into that actually in our spotlight segment tonight, but let's go ahead and take the checkers and let's jump right into it. Starting with the formula one series race in Bahrain and David, we talked about the preview of the formula one, 2022 season. And our expectation was that it would be a, a that Lewis Hamilton was going to rough run rough shot over everybody but uh, that we were also looking for Charles Leclerc and Ferrari to do some big things this year. And the results of the first race were in line with our expectations, but at the same time, some huge surprises. So tell us more about it. Yeah, I mean, Bahrain, what a way to kick off the Formula One season. And going into that race, I mean, Mercedes qualifying fifth and ninth i mean the first race of the year year in hamilton's fifth and russell ninth and we know it and for the first time in a while max verstappen said i'm gonna carry the number one on my race car this year as i'm the champion and red bull was you know qualified you know first out 11 or qualified second and fourth with Verstappen and Perez, and Ferrari qualified first and third. Now, Charles Leclerc so, showed some promise last year of taking the pole in a few races. Um, Monaco, he had it, and then he crashed, and that was it in qualifying. But let's just say it was a thrilling race from the beginning. The green flew. And Charles Leclerc led from lap one to lap 131. Carlos Sands took over from 32 33. When pit stops happened, Leclerc took it back over from 34 and led to the end. Now, in the end, uh, Verstappen was making pit stops. They were going on three point strategy, and something was up with the Red Bull engines. Um, Red Bull has four engines in the field um, with the Oracle Red Bull Racing, but the Scudera Alpha Tori team also has it. Well, Peter, well, Pierre Gasly brought out the yellow on lap 46 when he stopped in turn three due to an engine fire. He was the first one out. And right near the end, at lap 54, Max Verstappen's car quits. He goes into the pits, a fuel pump issue. Two laps later, his teammate was in position for podium as well. And Perez has a fuel pump go and he turns. Well, that allows Carlos Sands and Ferrari and Lewis Hamilton to move up positions. And yet to finish, it was Leclerc, Sands, Hamilton, Russell, Magnuson for Haas replacing um, 
Mazepin, who has been booted from Haas um, due to um, the conflict in Ukraine. Um, Bodice, way to go, Bodice, after going to Alfa Romero. He was sixth. Um, Akon was seventh. Sonoda, eighth. Fernando Alonso, ninth. And Zhao, the first Chinese driver to ever race in Formula One, gets a top 10 in points. And Mick Schumacher, or you got top 10 in points. Other notables, Schumacher was 11th. Uh, Ricardo was 14th. Norris was 15th. Hulkenberg was 17th. And right now, Ferrari is back and very interesting story going into this weekend with formula one we'll talk about when we preview saudi arabia but elliot that racing was amazing this weekend it was it was almost as though leclerc and ferrari heard our podcast on this subject and said well We'll take Hamilton coming back and still beat everybody on the racetrack anyway. And that's precisely what they did. They came out and Leclerc had the fast car. Ferrari gave him an absolute rocket ship. And Leclerc put it all together. He put it on the pole, kept the car clean all weekend. And when it came time to race, he put together a masterful drive and just simply drove away from the field. And you couldn't script a worse start to the season for Red Bull if you tried. Um, you know, they they have good speed, and so they're going to be, you know, something to watch all year. But having both cars retire with mechanical trouble within the last two or three laps with, it, with Verstappen at the very least, um, having a, a podium in sight. And I think um, Perez also had a, a podium slot wrapped up as well when uh his engine locked up and he spun in turn one yeah uh, that's pump. yeah uh it was it, i mean you can't i mean they're they're that's that's a huge hole for them to dig out of um at yeah. this point in the season and you have to wonder okay is this going to be a persistent issue with them all year it, we shall see it, but for it, ferrari they brought the noise and I think they've established themselves as somebody, um, as a team, just as they have throughout the history of Formula One and other uh, international motorsport. They're here and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Oh, yeah. And, and Ferrari's back. I mean, it finally took them so many years, like at least three years to get back on, on the high horse. And for them to do it, to get back, for Charles Leclerc to actually go out and win a race. And, you know, that, that's gotta be a great feeling. And then you gotta look, I mean, with Red Bull, they're already, if you take a look at the points, they're already um, 44 points in the hole in the constructors championship to Ferrari uh, 27 to Red Bull, but for Stappen, is already 26 in the hole to Ferrari. So he's yeah. good. What he's going to need is he's going to need a race 
and and this may be, this may be, um, Charles Leclerc has had issues with Monaco this year, and I will. Or in or yes, excuse me, in the past years where he has not started or finished the Monaco Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. He that's his one Achilles heel. And I will put it this way: if if um Verstappen is is breathing down and has gained it, I mean he's he's 15 to Hamilton in the hole, so he can easily make that up in a couple races but with Leclerc if Leclerc's going to be dominant and they're going to get into this I will put money on the line that I will say if if the Achilles heel comes into play at Monaco for Leclerc that may be the race that Verstappen gets back in but we will see we gotta see what happens this weekend in Saudi in Saudi Arabia, we've got to see what plays out in the rest in the next few months. But you know, 26 in the hole is really bad in Formula One. You got to make points the next race and and Verstappen kind. Yeah. Um, and we're going to need to move on here in a minute. But yeah. um, another big takeaway from this past weekend was um, just how far Haas has come along. We knew that they had kind of said that 2021 was, you know, they, they weren't necessarily paying attention to that car and the, the design of it as much as they were 2022 and the, the years uh, following just because of uh, the change in all of the, ch- the changes in regulations and things. So they were kind of putting more of their resources into the design and the planning for the car for this season. And the early results have, have shown it. Uh, you know, Mick Schumacher went from an absolute backmarker in 2021 to now being a, a contender for points. Um, obviously, the situation with uh, uh, Mazepin and then Kevin Magnuson, who drove for that team for a number of years, um, returning to that team essentially at the 11th hour, jumping in the car and putting it in the points and I think finishing fifth at the end of it um, is, a, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start to the season for Haas. I think if you tried, yeah. so that's, that's a huge thing too. And it'll be interesting to see um, how that story plays out the rest of the year. Obviously there's still um, some, you know, intrigue about how uh, things are going to resolve themselves with uh, with Mazepin and, and the team going forward. It sounds like there may be some uh, some lingering issues there. So, you know, there, we'll, we'll keep an eye on all that. But uh, for now, in terms of what the team is bringing to the racetrack, they've proven that they're, the time that they spent and the, the, the extra homework that they put in to the Haas cars for 2022 has made them hot cars and they're driving like it. So uh, that's certainly interesting to see too. Um, But uh, that wasn't the only um, open wheel race of, uh, of note here in recent weeks. Uh, IndyCar also had a a big race at the Texas motor speedway this past weekend. Um, So David, why don't you tell us about that? 
Yeah, and, and this was a thrilling finish in the end. So what Texas did, what IndyCar did was they went based on last year and they widened the groove out. They actually took a, um, they actually scrubbed some of the PJ1 off the groove in the turns uh, to winding it, to get some two-car lane racing. They actually had a practice session where the Indy cars could go, some of the Indy cars could go out there, run and get some rubber in that second groove. And um, so the race went, the race actually started a little bit earlier than expected. I was expecting to turn this on at one o'clock. And when I did, they were actually already green. They were um, about five laps in, but yeah, they, um, it was, eh, it was so, so racing going on, but there was some really good racings. Um, you know, there, there was passing going on in the corners. Alexander Rossi had a issue. He went out lap 12 with a battery issue. Uh, wrong, uh, there was an accident and on lap 99, that involved the um, 51 of Takumo Sato. He had a crash. Cal Kirkwood crashed in turn four. He was having a really good day until he crashed. And then a three-car accident in the end that involved Graham Rahal, Helio Castroneves, and the number 29 of Devlin DeFrancesco. Uh, uh, that was at lap 120 nine um and they literally almost went green for the final 100 laps um a little less and in the end scott mclaughlin had a really dominant day going on but it was his teammate joseph newgard using that new groove that they had to get to get into position closed in on his teammate as lap traffic came up and we talked about how they almost cost uh, McLaughlin the win in St. Pete's. Well, it cost him the win in Texas, and Joseph Newgarden wins, beating him by being McLaughlin by .067 on a pass on the outside to win it, coming out of four. So it was a thrilling race at the end. Um, McLaughlin finished second. He extends his points lead over Will Power by 28 points. Um, Marcus Erickson was third. Uh, Power was fourth. Dixon fifth. Jimmy Johnson, a really good day. Here's his oval experience coming in. He finished sixth after starting 18th. Uh, Pelot was seventh. Paginaw eighth. Uh, Ferrucci ninth, VK was 10th, other nobles, um, Pedro Award was 15th, uh, Connor Daly was 18th, Sato finished 20th with his crash, uh, Christian Lungard had a crash, he was 19th, uh, Castro Nevis was 23rd, and Rossi was 11th, Grosjean was 20th, or Rossi was 27th, Grosjean was 26th. Um, but yeah, really good racing. Kyle Kirkwood showed some promise. Jimmy Johnson, unbelievable on ovals, um, showing why he was 
good as he was in NASCAR on the ovals. Um, but yeah, it, it was, you know, a little, okay. We, we've got some final thoughts about this later in the show, but mm-hmm. overall it was a decent race. Yeah, it's certainly, um, you know, there were some improvements made in I think the quality of the racing in Texas this year as compared to past years, because they were able to have some sort of a second groove this year, whereas in past years, there was none to be had whatsoever. Um, and we saw to a name, Kyle Kirkwood, um, take advantage of that and pick up a lot of positions by being brave and running that, that higher groove, um, and passing slower cars on the high side. Um, and that worked for him until he kind of got forced up by a, um, a car that, uh, kind of washed out a little bit in the middle of three and four. And that put him well up into the the PJ one, and there was no saving it at that point. So there still is that issue with that racetrack, but, uh, at the same time, heck of a finish, um, you know, for, uh, two team Penske cars to be fighting like that, um, and have that close of a finish, um, certainly, uh, speaks to how good those cars were just the, you know, overall, I mean, you look at, at Team Penske, they were first, second, and fourth. And when you rewind the tape to this time last year, um, you know, just to me, kind of like the the Stuart Haas cars and NASCAR or, uh, or, or other uh, teams, um, you know, Kyle Larson being another one too, I think, they really couldn't get out of their own way, I think, to start the season. Um, but, uh, and they were able to improve as, as the year went on, they started to rack up some wins, but it took them a while that they're, they're here. It's two races in they're here. So, um, it's, it's going to be a very interesting, um, storyline, I think to watch this year in terms of who's going to win the championship. Um, you know, Polo, he's still solid, but he needs to have a lot more than this. If he's going to, uh, go back to back because um, he was the worst finishing Ganassi car. So it was Penske and Ganassi that swept the top seven, according to racingreference.info. Um, and that's, so he, he needs to, to find some speed here too. You talked about Jimmy Johnson the day he had, this was huge for him, huge for the 48 team for Chip Ganassi for Carvana as, as his sponsor. Um, you know, it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's, it's been a, an effort for him to learn these cars and to do well on them. Um, that success has been, you know, kind of fleeting um, and not much of it thus far. But for him to have a day like this, um, you know, speaks to um, the progress that he's made. As for Andretti, I think if, if in the words of Kyle Petty, if they filled this place up with water and made a bass fishing tournament out of it, I think that can ask, I think that Andretti would be in favor of that because they cannot buy a break at this racetrack whatsoever. Um, I re- remember, I think it was either last year or in 2020 where uh, they couldn't even get one or two of their cars off a of pit road to start the race. Yeah. yeah. So, and then this year, um, you know, mechanical trouble takes out two of their cars. Grosjean uh, retires at lap 103 with engine trouble. 
um, you know, and, and he had, some, um, I think he's got good speed in that car too. Uh, if I, if I saw right. So, um, they, they cannot wait, I'm sure for the next race and just to see if they can, you know, get their cars to, to finish the race. Um, and so that's, that was a, another really, really notable thing. And then also Ed Carpenter, uh, in his, uh, Ed Carpenter racing, who typically are pretty strong on ovals, um, having one car, uh, Renus VK in the top 10 and he finished 10th. So yeah. they've got some work to do too. Well, with that said, Elliot, let's, uh, switch gears here and let's talk about some stock car racing. Absolutely. Yeah. There was some, uh, some really intriguing racing that, uh, that happened here in the last few weeks. And, uh, we're going to rewind the clock, uh, back to the Vegas race. That's, uh, um, the last race that went off, uh, after, uh, our, uh, last episode, Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And at the end of the day, um, uh, it was, as we've seen with, uh, with Fontana, it was, it was a whole bunch of different, uh, teams, uh, running up front and this race will kind of seem more like the, the Chevys and the Toyotas, um, were, you know, kind of the main, um, manufacturers competing for the win. And as a matter of fact, as you got towards the end of the race, it was Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr., both driving Toyotas for Joe Gibbs Racing, who were competing for the win. And there was a, a, a late caution, uh, actually a very severe, uh, uh, what could have been a very severe wreck with, uh, with Eric Jones and Bubba Wallace. Eric Jones um, kind of having the same situation happen to him that happened to Ross Chastain in practice at California, where he got a little out of shape uh, coming off of turn four and overcorrected and actually struck the wall very hard. Um, and in so doing, um, his out of control car uh, nearly collected Bubba Wallace, but for uh, some exceptional driving that, that Bubba did to avoid um, just drilling the 43 in the driver's side door. Um, uh, even though it cost uh, Bubba Wallace a good finish um, and did damage to his car, uh, the alternative could have been far worse. But what came out of that was a late round of pit stops and uh, some pit strategy, especially amongst the Hendrick Motorsports cars, uh, to take two tires instead of four, which is what uh, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. did. Uh, and they used those two tires to their advantage and stayed out in the clean air and were able to, um, to hold off um, the, the Gibbs cars and, uh, the one of Ross Chastain as well to make it a Hendrick one, two with Alex Bowman taking the win, uh, over Kyle Larson, Chastain, Kyle Busch, uh, fought back to finish fourth and William Byron, uh, the third, uh, the third Hendrick car to finish in the top five. Eric Almarola kept his top 10 streak going, um, with, a sixth place finish, Reddick seventh, Truex Jr. eighth, Chase Elliott ninth, and Christopher Bell tenth. Other notables, Kevin Harvick uh, was close to the top 10, finishing 12th. Joey Logano was 14th. Corey LaJoy brought his Spire Motorsports entry home in 15th. Um, the Daytona 500 winner, Austin Centric, finished in 19th. 
Brad Keselowski finished 24th, Bubba Wallace finished 25th, um, and a few different uh, wrecks. I talked about Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin retired um, at lap 219 uh, with mechanical trouble, um, and uh, among others that were caught up in wrecks, Chase Briscoe, Ryan Blaney, and Daniel Suarez. David, your thoughts on the Las Vegas race? I mean, it was a good race. Uh, definitely showing that the, these types of tracks, just like what California was, you know, it is a Hendrick, you know, Hendrick's good. The Chevy's run good there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, um, I, I feel bad for Dag Hamlin because it is that sequential shifter. I mean, the, the learning curve and he just, I mean, he just put it in the wrong st- Spot and just ground those gears up and that was it coming out of you know off a of pit stop and you know i'd i mean but great racing i mean bowman and larson doing well and hendrick showing it um i think you know i think this is what that next gen car was supposed to do was supposed to make the racing more exciting at these types of tracks. And it is. Um, So yeah, really good. And we're going to talk more about that, especially with, um, with Atlanta here in the spotlight segment in the the next segment. But um, after Vegas, they went to Phoenix uh, to finish up the West coast swing uh, for the cup series. And uh, this was an interesting race too. Um, you know, we talked about Chevys and Toyotas kind of being the main manufacturers that competed for the win at Vegas. Well, uh, at Phoenix, the Fords came to party and they were uh, a factor throughout the day. You know, different drivers showed themselves to have a lot of speed. Ryan Blaney um, led early, according to RacingReference.info. Joey Logano was up there. Chase Briscoe showed speed early. Um, and as the race went on, it became a, a fight between Ryan Blaney in his team Penske Ford and Chase Elliott in his Hendrick Motorsports Chevy for much of the race until uh, later on uh, as we got into the third segment Chase Briscoe in his number 14 Stuart Haas Ford uh, found himself restarting on the front row after a really good pit stop and used the inside line which on the restarts were typically not the preferred line but he was able to use that inside line to his advantage and take the lead at lap 230, hold on to it for the next 58 laps, um, and then uh, essentially lead the rest of the way um, and took his first career win at Phoenix Raceway, um, holding off the likes of Ross Chastain for the second week in a row, Ross Chastain um, a threat to win late at the, a threat to win at the end. Tyler Reddick, another threat to win at the end. Uh, both of those gentlemen fighting for their first career wins as well. Ryan Blaney, um, after leading 143 laps in the day, finished fourth. Kurt Busch brought his 2311 Toyota home in fifth. Kevin Harvick finishing a convincing sixth in the day. Kyle Busch seventh, Joey Logano eighth. Daniel Suarez coming back from a last place finish at Vegas to finish ninth for his uh, track house racing entry and putting both track house racing cars in the top 10 at, um, at Phoenix. 
Chris Buescher rounds out the top 10 for RFK Racing. Other notables, uh, Eric uh, Chase Elliott brought home 11th. Almirola um, didn't finish in the top 10, but he brought it home 12th. Hamlin rebounded from his troubles at Vegas to finish 13th. Bowman, after his win at Vegas, was 14th. Um, William Byron finished 18th. Austin Dillon finished in 21st. Brad Keselowski, 23rd. Um, only a couple of wrecks in this race. Um, Martin Truex Jr. and then Corey LaJoy. Kyle Larson had a valve problem and retired at lap 239. David, your thoughts on Phoenix? I think Phoenix was really good, really good racing. Definitely showed what a um, what the next-gen car can do at a short track. Uh, Phoenix always brings great racing. And way to go for Chase Briscoe. You get your first win at Phoenix, and on top of that, you're the 200th driver to win a cup race in the history of NASCAR. So way to knock out two um, feats in one day. And, and that was good. I mean, that was amazing. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I always loved the racing at Phoenix. And I just, I mean, it didn't disappoint this weekend or that weekend. And I mean, I thought, you know, Chastain could have had a chance with it. I was thinking, you know, hey, Chastain's going to get a win. and But Briscoe got him, and that was pretty good. It was. Um, and, you know, the, uh, Bob Pogras had a hot take afterwards about uh, whether or not Stuart Haas was back. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen this at, at, um, at all the races thus far this year. I think Stuart Haas and the four teams in general, but uh, Stuart Haas in particular, they've been back. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, how, how much of a struggle 2021 was for them. And it didn't really seem like they panicked. They didn't uh, make any sudden personnel changes or, you know, any sort of knee-jerk changes. They just held a steady ship and, you know, drove through the, the troubles that they were dealing with at the time and said, we're, we're going to have a, um, a good time of it here in 2022. And thus far they have, um, to have the 14 car, uh, with a win and, you know, potentially most likely locking himself in, into the playoffs. Um, that's huge to see the four car, uh, running up front as well and, and finishing top 10. That's big. You know, Almirola having his uh, string of consistent finishes to start the season two um, in, you know, during a, a season in a, uh, a car where consistency doesn't really seem to be the um, uh, readily available for um, for all the cars. That's that's a big thing for him. And Cole Custer's showing some speed too. you know, getting a um, a 16th place on, on, uh, on the day was important for him. So they, uh, they were making some good progress here and we'll talk about, um, how everybody fared at Atlanta on the other side of, uh, the, the break in a minute, but Stuart house making a comeback. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to see Haas back for sure. So, um, I think that's, uh, that's all of the racing that, uh, that we wanted to recap in this segment. So, we're going to take a quick break here, um, and on the other side, we're going to talk about uh, the racing at Atlanta, our reactions to it, um, and uh, talk about some of the metrics that uh, 
uh, came out of the Atlanta weekend and how they've compared to past years as well. All that on the other side of this break. This is from Checkered Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Do you want a topic to be covered or a guest we should have in a future episode? Well, you can drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Gmail at CKRD, the number two, GRN at gmail.com. Your feedback drives our content for future episodes. If you like the episode you are listening to, then you can listen to previous episodes at podcast.com, Apple Podcasts, and coming soon, Google Play Music. We thank you for your listenership. And now back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, David. Our spotlight this, uh, this episode is going to focus on the much ballyhooed Atlanta race weekend for uh for nascar for all of the series but the cup series in particular um this had been uh, a subject of discussion for uh for some time going back to last year when it was announced that the atlanta motor speedway was going to not only repave uh for the first time in nearly a quarter century um much to the chagrin of much of the racing community um, but they were also going to do a little bit of a redesign to the racetrack as well, uh, narrowing up the turns a little bit and adding a little bit of, of progressive bank uh, in the top of the racetrack as well. Uh, there was a lot of intrigue about how much speed this racetrack was going to have, uh, noting that it had traditionally been a very, very fast racetrack uh, during its, uh, its quad oval um, uh, chapter. Uh, which focused, uh, which it was from its last repave in 1997 until present day. Um, so in response to that, NASCAR decided that for the, um, for the Cup Series, and I believe the Xfinity Series too, if not the trucks also, they were going to run a super speedway package um, on the cars and trucks uh, at Atlanta uh, to keep the speeds down, but also what that would potentially do is allow for uh, a super speedway type race where drafting and slingshotting and things of that nature um, would be a possibility on a 1.5 mile oval. Um, and so going into the weekend, would that come to pass? And the answer by and large was yes. The, uh, the racing definitely resembled that of a super speedway race. Um, albeit in a much uh, cozier environment uh, with a 1.5 mile track um, and narrower turns than you would see at Talladega and maybe even Daytona as well. Um, the, uh, the, top, uh, the topmost groove did show a little bit of speed and much as we've seen at Daytona, um, you know, at, at different points in the race, you saw the uh, the cars and trucks kind of line up on that top groove and uh, just log some laps and uh, um, run some some really fast laps up top there. Um, as far as the uh, the racing itself went, um, the uh, the truck race had some intrigue in in the form of Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, their trucks finishing um, uh, winning the race and uh, 
finishing towards the front of the field and one of the uh, uh, trucks a lap down, which also happened to be a Kyle Busch Motorsports entry, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, having uh, some bearing in how the, the race finished, uh, much to the dismay of Corey Heim, who lost that race. So I'm sure the uh, the team meeting the following uh, this past week was uh, very interesting on that basis. Um, going into the Xfinity race, um, that was another uh, hotly contested affair. Uh, again, a lot of uh, super speedway racing there as well. So the I Xfinity guess. race was won by Ty Gibbs, um, who uh, has also won earlier this year at uh, at Vegas, um, winning over Austin Hill, AJ Allmendinger, and Riley Herbst with Landon Castle finishing top five. Uh, this was just kind of a you know, the the racing that we saw here was very frenetic, a uh, lot of uh, a lot of wrecks, especially late, and uh, that brought in some cars. Uh, who were able to avoid the wrecks and avoid uh, all of the trouble to enjoy some good finishes that they uh, otherwise might not have been able to have. Uh, Mason Massey being one of them, uh, Kyle Weatherman being another, um, and J.J. Yaley also for uh, for Carl Long's team, the 66 team, uh, having a, an 11th place finish on the day. That was pretty big. So then moving into Sunday, the cup race, um, the the racing lived up to the billing. Um, it was a, um, a frenetic race. And as we got down towards uh, the end of it, the, the racing and indeed the wrecking uh, were, were definitely there. Um, and uh, at the end of the end of the day, um, this one was won by William Byron for Hendrick Motorsports, who had a fast car all day, but just the super speedway nature of the, the racing um, you know, there were some, some comers and goers and uh, different people leading laps during the course of the day, but Byron showing speed all day long and at the end of the day, holding off, stop me if you've heard this name before, Ross Chastain in the one car, um, as well as uh, Daniel Suarez, both track house racing cars finishing top five, Kurt Busch uh, finishing third, Corey LaJoy in the Spire Motorsports entry finishing fifth on the day. Um, that'll give you an idea of how uh, frenetic and crazy the racing was during the course of the, uh, the event. Um, only 25 of the 37 entries finished the day. Um, the remaining all being knocked out uh, due to crash or damaged vehicle policy related issues. So um, uh, uh, definitely a, a, a frenetic day, a frenetic weekend of racing. Um, and I'll stop there, David, uh, give me your thoughts and, uh, uh, what you thought of the, the race weekend overall. I thought it was amazing. Like I like speedway racing, uh, super speedway racing, a one and a half mile quad oval. I mean, who would thought who would think that would have was going to work in, in the whole thought of, you know, was it going to work? Was it not going to work? And it was a great showing. I mean, I'm looking at racing reference and 46 lead changes. And what they say that was like, that was they, a record. I think that was a record and they didn't mm -hmm. barely touch that in in both races combined last year, 
No. I mean, it is. it was amazing. Like, this is... Like what I said in the previous segment about Vegas and the next gen and what they needed to do to get, you know, these tracks with better racing, they found it. I mean, let's go, let's go put the plans in Charlotte. Let's go put the plans in Texas. Any of these tracks that, you know, these one and a half miles that could probably use a repave, heck, Let's start getting a few more super speedway races with these. But then, I mean, but the other point I'm going to make here is this season, anyone can do it this year. Mm -hmm. I think this proved that anyone in this racing series can, in the cup series, has a shot at the playoffs. We may get to a point this year, if, if the trend goes that we're going to keep getting these different race winners, the trend may be going into, into Daytona. The cutoff race is which, and we've got more than 16 race winners, which one's getting bumped out on points? That could possibly happen, but it was great racing. It was fun. It was thrilling. I know it. I know that um, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I didn't see all of it, but the portions I watched, I loved it. And knowing that they're going to Atlanta in July again for another race like this, I think it's going to be really interesting. And it's going to make the it, it, it it's going to be fun. Um, if if you if you're listening and you like that on TV, I'd be booking your tickets now for this. Yeah, and if you're going to go to the race, um, get them early because yeah. it seemed like the uh, the it was this race weekend at Atlanta, which you know trying to get um, a well attended event at Atlanta in the springtime has always kind of seemed to be a trouble um, or always seemed to be a challenge, um, you know, because of weather or whatever else. Um, and the weather for the Atlanta race couldn't have cooperated any better. It was chamber of commerce. It was a chamber of commerce day and the weekend writ large. Um, so they had a really, really good turnout um, uh, in particular for the cup race on Sunday. That's huge. Um, yeah, you know, being it, able to get everybody to come back. And they also had it big on TV. You got to think they well here. I've got the TV rings pulled up and this is by Andrew Kraska on racer.com. Now think of this. They were going up against March Madness. They were going up against the second round tournament games, which proves to be, I mean, some thrilling matches going on. And here's what they got. NASCAR's return got a 2.36 Nielsen rating and 4.003 million viewers for Sunday's afternoon Cup Series race. That's up from last year when it was 2.21 and 3.72. It was slightly up from Phoenix, which was 2.33 and 3.91. And here's comparison to Formula One, 
which got 0.75 and 1.35 million, um, which Formula One was actually up from their Bahrain Oper. They were actually almost up 0.25 and, um, you know, almost one up a quarter in viewership um, percentage wise. But then the IndyCar season had a 0.62 with nine with 954,000 viewers um which definitely was up from the double header i mean if you combine the two double header races together um you would have you know and, and lumped those into a one hour weekend you probably got a point you know you had 0.22 for each day combined together you probably get you know and you averaged it um, you know, it was down quite a bit and viewership was down. It was definitely up for this, but man, the viewership for NASCAR, I think they hit on something when they did the LA Coliseum and their viewership is up. So whatever NASCAR is doing, they finally found the key to get people back. Well, they generated some really good excitement with the the clash the coliseum um and they've been able to kind of carry that through uh the first part of the season thus far and you know external circumstances that sometimes have worked against them and i'm thinking of the weather in particular um, have been working with them this year thus far which has been absolutely critical and and the only hiccup in the weather they had was friday And so what did they do? They said, well, we really got to get practice in. So they scrapped qualifying. Now it is, I mean, the the feedback was amazing. Even the drivers enjoyed it. They just said, um, you know, some had frustration with the car, you know, some of them. Yeah. Joey Logano. I mean, here's what Chase Elliott said. He goes, it was crazy for sure. Hopefully it was fun to watch because I felt like it was wild from my seat. It was very much so like Daytona or Talladega. Just try and position yourself there at the right spot and hope it goes your way. <clears throat> Busher says the pylon looks better than our race probably, but it was a hard fought race. Um, I mean, scary moment at the end would, would, Bubba Wallace had that rock, but glad to see he was okay. But yeah, it just, I mean, it was amazing. I, I like it. And I, I, I mean, I'd say this, I think they got to really consider doing this for Charlotte and Texas. Um, Maybe Charlotte, but Texas, definitely. Yeah. Um, Well, well, Texas for sure. And we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, our thoughts with the IndyCar, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, well, the only thing to think about is, you know, it's, it's important to think about the length of time that races like this are going to be possible at Atlanta to a name because, um, you know, the reason being this time around was because of the newness of the pavement and the amount of grip in it. When we move forward three, four, five years, we're probably not going to be racing like this there. And I would dare say that we're going to be moving back to the 
um, the typical Speedway package, which is 670 horsepower and four inch spoilers. Um, and I'll be very curious to see what this package looks like in July in the heat of summer here in the Southeast. It makes me question whether or not the uh, heat in the racetrack and the attendant reduction in grip um, is going to be to the point where they can't draft um, in packs of two wide, three wide racing like they did um, this past weekend across all the series. And if it's not that, then are we going to go back to these really spread out, I would argue, pretty boring races that we saw in the low down, uh, low horsepower, high downforce era of uh, the last couple of years? Well, that, I mean, you're right on that. I mean, there, I mean, that does make you wonder. I mean, yes, as the track has aged, and we've seen that happen with Daytona. We've seen that happen with Talladega, where eventually, you know, the tracks, and we actually see it with all the tracks, that eventually the surface gets down and gets a little wear in it, and they end up mm-hmm. going back to the old, old style. I mean, mm-hmm. crap. We sit, I mean, we that that happened at Indy for years. They used to get drawn out. I mean, look at the 90s mm-hmm. in, 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 in the 2000s where they would get spread out, they wouldn't get as racy. And I think once they repaved Indy to what it is, you started to see more of the racing now that's for the indy not not with stock car i'm talking about the indy 500 yeah, um, they just completely gave up the ship on oh yeah whole race in indy and just went with the yeah. road course but which... but with but with the indy cars it's gotten better and it's gotten a little more racier because they figured out they actually also developed a car that that could perform well at that and make that look more but yeah i think it is but I think you're, you touched on a great point, Elliot. And I think this, I think Atlanta, the super speedway package is going to be a great precursor to um, how's the heat going to be at Daytona in August. Yeah. When, when they're, when they're going for a playoff, when it's the last race for the playoffs uh, before the playoffs begin, when we have all those things and you, the heat plays a factor. Now, granted, they're going to run at night and it's going to cool down, but it's not going to be like the temperatures we have now. No. It, it's not going to be like that. It's you have a sun that's cooked to track all day. Mm-hmm. And, and all week. And all week. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is going to be interesting. Now, I will disagree with you at one point, one thing, and I'll believe it when they when they change it back. And, and knowing NASCAR, you know, I, I'll probably eating my words on this, but I don't think NASCAR is gonna um, jump off the speedway pack, the super speedway package at Atlanta. And the reason I say that is I think the way that they reconfigured that track, the way they they reshaped it. I think they they kind of took it to a new level. They increased the banking. They um, 
you know, they, they made some more runoff on the front straightaway. They short, they, they narrowed the back straightaway a little bit more. So I think that is going to be, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see the super speedway package be there for, I, I think this is going to end up eventually being a super speedway track that they're going to run at, you know, not like a Daytona, not like a Talladega, you know, Daytona's unique in one way. Talladega is unique in one, one way. Atlanta will be unique in its own way. So I think that will be very interesting to see what happens with that. But I could, I, I'll eat my own words with hot sauce on it and ghost peppers and all that. If next year they're back to the regular low downforce package. <laughs> yeah. And we'll definitely see how, um, how all that plays out, but there were definitely some really positive takeaways from, yeah. uh, from this, this weekend, especially when you think about it from, uh, from a business aspect, from, you know, the racetrack um, and, and everything else. We've I, talked about the, the difficulty of, of getting fans there. The fact that you had a strong in-person attendance, um, according to um, some notes here from the Sports Business Journal, on March 21st, they talked about uh, the infield being packed, right? Um, and the the grandstands, they were pretty healthily uh, attended as well. So you're talking about, um, you know, and, and uh, David, I think you noted this in, in talking about the ratings. You're going up against a lot of other big events, not the least of which is the NCAA tournament. And you have people coming out and making a day of it. You know, especially yeah. if you're on the infield, you're there for pretty much the entire day, right? If not the entire weekend. So, um, and you know, this is the Southeast. There's, there's a lot of big name schools down here, SEC, ACC, um, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest in, and for this many people to come out to a racetrack that, you know, again, this time of year, Historically, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a challenge to get a, a, a really good attendance figure speaks to the job that they did, um, you know, drumming up interest uh, and also the job of uh, the race cars to be able to, uh, you know, and, and NASCAR and the drivers to be able to put on a, a, a race that would live up to expectations. And I would agree that they, they did. Well, I think, I mean, you, you talked about the ACC games and I, or the, the NCAA games, and you talked about the conferences, the SCC, the ACC, the, um, you know, some of those conferences down there. But if you actually look at the games that were Sunday, you had Houston, Illinois, Ohio State, Villanova, and, and the big one that probably fell right around that time would have been Michigan State. Duke, and then Iowa State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Texas Tech, you know, Miami, Auburn was much, much later. So that was down, you know, that was about when the race was ending. I mean, I just think there weren't, you know, there, I mean, besides the Duke game, that might have been the only game that might have drawn people away from it. So, I mean, 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, for them to fill the stands, to get people there, especially a, a big weekend like that, where, yeah. I mean, it's March Madness. I mean, the only other weekend that, that probably would end up, ha- you know, two other weekends that would probably end up having viewership issues is maybe the Kentucky Derby and um, and I would say the Masters Golf Tournament. Um, just because it, it's the masters, it's the prestige, you know, I think that, I mean, I think that's really good that they went up toe to toe with, you know, games going on and they, they just got, I think they, I think they got really, they got a really good break. They did. Um, and it's an important note though, that the, um, the, the ratings this year, um, and the improvement that was observed from, from year to year, um, you know, this came off of an all-time low in 2021 in terms of ratings for the spring race at Atlanta. Um, you know, they've gone, uh, you know, they've they've dropped precipitously um, since uh, since even uh, 2008, right? Uh, they were running around a three six four somewhere in there. Uh, this, according to FrontStretch.com and the compilation of ratings that they keep. Um, and at one point, they were up as high as 5.6 in 2015, uh, before dropping down to uh, the lowest number in their records, which was last year at 2.21. This year, they came up to 2.36. So that's an improvement, definitely. The yeah. bigger thing is the in-person um, attendance and the in-person interest that, that, um, that you're seeing. When you're building the in-person interest in the way that they did, then arguably the ratings themselves are probably going to be following as well on TV. So, um, so I think there's, there's a case to be made for um, this weekend being a real positive and continuing to build on that momentum that uh, the series is, is trying to, to put, especially the cup series with the, the new car and the, the, the new regulations and things, um, you know, is there, um, there's definitely some signs that their efforts are paying off yeah most certainly i think it's going to be good for them and and now it's going to be to see what the you know and we'll talk about this coming up in our green segment is how's this car going to handle on the road course this weekend that's going to be a very good question um one other thing to note too is there's also some conversation maybe about shortening this race a little bit going forward. Um, I know that was a conversation on Sirius XM this past week, um, the, uh, the NASCAR channel, noting that the, it took, I think, north of four hours to run yeah. all 500 miles. So maybe yeah. like a 500 kilometer, I heard. Yeah, um, or maybe even a 400 miler. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see him try a 400 miler. Um, I, I really think they should, um, you know, I, I think if they're starting to get races that are north of four hours, um, that it's just because they're racing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and nothing's causing a delay, you know, there's no red flag, there's no rain delay, um, you know, I, I think that's the thing. I, I, I think the other issue is, is that. Um, I think they really need to start moving these start times back, uh, or moving them up. Mm-hmm. 
I think they need to really be going at a one, two o'clock. Uh, maybe for the playoffs, they could go to a, a two, three o'clock just so they don't compete with the NFL. But I think during this time, I think going back to those one, two o'clocks is good, would be better. Yeah, I mean, it's um, definitely a possibility. Um, and it's worth noting, too, that, um, you know, as a fan, it was very nice to be able to see um, the I think the Formula One race was uh, was early on that morning. Um, and then you had the uh, the IndyCar race uh, during the midday and then you were then, able to jump over to the, the cup race in the afternoon. So that was nice to see. Yeah, that was definitely nice. So, um, so definitely some things to think about going forward, um, but certainly um, a lot of positives uh, that came out of this weekend. And I think um, for, for NASCAR, for the teams, for the executives, for uh, the track officials there at Atlanta Motor Speedway, um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely some, uh, a, a lot of positives that came out of this weekend. So um, we'll see what the future brings, but hopefully for all involved, there's, um, uh, there's only uh, more momentum and more positives to come. So uh, we'll go ahead and, um, and wrap up our spotlight for, uh, uh, for this episode. Um, on the other side of uh, this break, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to go green. We're going to talk about this coming weekend at uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin. We're also going to talk about the uh, F1 race at uh, Saudi Arabia, already some uh, early intrigue there. Um, and then our final thoughts as well. All of that on the other side of this break. This is from Checker to Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Are you looking for that competitive edge for your business or event? Samurai Graphics can design your logo, business card, letterhead, invitation, and flyers for your business or event. Samurai Graphics accepts different forms of payment and will give you that competitive edge you need. Contact Samurai Graphics on Facebook at SamuraiGraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business solution. Now back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, David. It's time to go green and focus on the major racing events of this upcoming weekend. We've got two big events to talk about, David, uh, the NASCAR weekend at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, and the Formula One race at Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. So let's jump into the NASCAR weekend first. Um, Circuit of the Americas, Austin, this race this time last year, um, weather was the, the main headline and um, how they were able going to be how they were going to be able to run the race um, on a wet track. And uh, this uh, this time around, um, the weather, much like it was in Atlanta, probably going to be Chamber of Commerce level. It looks like it's going to be sunny, warm daytime temperatures in the 70s or lower 80s. So uh, all of the issues that we had with the rain last year and reduced visibility and some of the wrecks we saw um, will probably be um, uh, uh, not be repeated this year, thankfully. So let's talk about who we think um, 
uh, what we think of the coming weekend and who we think some some of the uh, threats might be. Well, I'm looking. I mean, I'm looking at the entry list on Jayski, and and the first thing that I'm thinking about is the weather. I mean, last year was a absolute dog. I mean, the rain was bad. They um, the NASCAR actually this week changed up their policy regarding rain tires and and how they're going to use them, when to call them, how they decide. They, they changed the rules up because the way last year happened, it was, I mean, it was a real woof. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, rain shorn and, you know, it, it really put a lot of doubt on, on them coming. So I think this year the weather going to be, the weather's going to be nice. That's a really good, good indication. And I'm actually looking forward is your road course ringers. And I'm going to put my money on Chase Elliott again this year. I think Chase Elliott's got a good chance. Um, he does very well on the road course. Don't count out. I mean, don't count out Kyle Larson. He's got some, you know, he's won road course racing. Um, Kyle Bush needs that bounce back. I want to see how he does this weekend. Um and then I'm also looking at, you know, some other guys, and I'm gonna put a, a dark horse on Daniel Suarez. Or Daniel Suarez, I think um, his background comes in handy for this. This would be a, a really good race for him to do well, and a very good race for Trackhouse to get a win at. So, I'd like to see those guys. Um, I also think Austin Cindric for the Blue Ovals could do well. Um, he's had some good experience on road course racing. So I, I think any one of those guys would be very interesting to watch this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with you completely, uh, especially on Chase Elliott. Um, he's definitely a threat to win anytime you go to any road course. He's definitely established himself as one of the premier road course racers of present day cup series racing. Um, with that said, uh, you talked about Austin Cindric, um, you know, and, and his record in sports cars and other things, he's, he's got a, a strong road course record. So he's probably going to be um, a threat this weekend as well. Um, you know, looking up and down the list, there's um, uh, some unique entries uh, this weekend. You've got, uh, Loris Hesemans for Team Hesseberg Racing, the 27. That's actually the car that uh, Jacques Villeneuve uh, drove the Daytona 500 with and had a solid day, a solid finish with. Kaz Grala and the Money Team Racing uh, team, the number 50, they're going to be um, uh, at the track this weekend. Um, Carl Long's team, Motorsport Business Management, is going to be running Boris Said. Um, a fan favorite in the number 66. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how that, um, how they do. Uh, Andy Lally is also going to be making a return to action in the number 78 for Live Fast Motorsports. Um, so um, those teams, I think, will be kind of a, a wild cards. I think if any of them get top 25s, that'll be a good day for them. Um, another team to think about too, is, uh, the front row team for, especially for Michael McDowell. Um, you know, we've talked about his, uh, super speedway racing prowess, but, um, you know, he's no slouch on road courses either. So, um, that'll be another, uh, interesting one 
to watch as well. Now you talked about Kyle Busch, um, you know, he's demonstrated himself to have, um, you know, a really solid um, uh, repertoire, no matter which type of racetrack you go to. So he'll be one to watch. And then let's not forget, um, you know, two, uh, two notable racers from uh, road course races last year. I'm thinking about Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe. Um, you know, Hamlin's looking to uh, regain some momentum and try and shake off a very, very rough start to his season. And then also Chase Briscoe riding the momentum of his win from Phoenix. Um, he's a solid on road course as well. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, but in terms of um, who I think is going to be the uh, the main threat this weekend. I think you know, I'm, uh, you're putting your money on uh, Chase Elliott. I'm probably going to go with Kyle Busch. Uh, he's looking to have a um, uh, to some, uh, to get his win and punch his ticket to the playoffs too. So I'm looking for him to get it done this weekend. Yeah, I, and one one other thing before we talk a little about Formula One. I think the really key factor is is that sequential shifter. How is that going to play this weekend in um, in the road course racing? And that's because we, we've seen the issues with it on the oval tracks. Um, Dane Hamlin, Tyler, um, Tyler Reddick had an issue with it um, at, at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. I want to see what the attrition rate will be just based off of that because one of them has a, someone had a mental lapse because they, they, you know, they're still getting used to it. So I think, I think that's going to be very interesting and and it'll be interesting to see how many cars end up because of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this being the first road course race of the season for these uh, for these new Gen Seven cars, uh, mechanical reliability is going to be a, a major headline to watch. So, very good point there. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and focus now on the Formula One race this coming weekend uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, and already some early intrigue in um, on that event. We're recording uh, Friday evening, the twenty fifth. Uh, they ran uh, their first two uh, free practice sessions today, um, and uh, those events were marred by um, uh, what was reported to be a missile attack on a uh, oil depot uh, not too far away from the racetrack to the point where um, it was reported that um, the smoke from that attack and ensuing fire um, were clearly visible from the racetrack. And in fact, it led to uh, some considerable discussion about whether or not the race weekend was going to be uh, abandoned entirely. Um, According to uh, published reports, uh, there was uh, some considerable uh, meetings that took place here just in recent hours, um, and it was decided that uh, the race would continue. Um, And any security concerns that uh, the drivers had in particular um, appear to have been met, at least for the time being. Um, so, um, you know, there's uh, some regional conflicts going on uh, in that part of the world as well, uh, in particular, um, the country of Yemen, which is just south of Saudi Arabia. Um, there's uh, different uh, military factions fighting in, um, in that country. 
and uh, the attack today um, appears to uh, be a part of that conflict and uh, being brought on a uh, to a, a very visible point. Um, and you know, there's been some question on uh, on Twitter in particular. I've been uh, watching that channel very closely um, about whether or not they should even be there um, and racing this weekend. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on all of that, and we'll probably have more to talk about that in, in coming episodes. But um, for now, it looks like the race weekend will continue. Um, and so, David, let's talk about uh, who we think um, might be threats to win there uh, this uh, this coming weekend. Well, I mean, once again, Leclerc is, you know, for, you know, first in the practice, he did have incident today at the end. I mean, for Stappen second, I mean, Hamilton, Russell, the, I mean, they're not even cracking the top three in, in practice. Um, but, you know, one of the interesting things that did come out today and I heard this on the on the morning show in WGR uh, out of Buffalo. I was listening to it. Is that um, F one teams are stripping back paint on their liveries to save weight and kind of help the cars meet uh, go a little bit faster. And that's because of the 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 weight change that has gone this year. But they're stripping enough paint where it's going down to the carbon fiber. Um, so you're going to, if you see cars that have like black spots on them, that's where they've stripped the paint away. Um, and, and that's just trying to help meet the minimum weight limits and, and get the cars to be a little bit faster. So we got, I mean, that'll be a story to keep an eye throughout the year, but I mean, just looking at it, I think that I, I, this might be a race for Red Bull to bounce back, and that's if they don't have engines quit on them. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see Verstappen do well. I think Ferrari's going to be strong. Um, let's see where, where Mercedes qualifies. If they have a, you know, if they're ending up in the back uh, again, like they did, um, they may, you know, and, and things go well for Red Bull, they may have trouble cracking the podium. Um, so it, it's going to be very interesting. But my eye is on on Ferrari. Can Leclerc win? You know, are are they the threat that they showed they are? Or um, was it just a fluke? And, you know, can Red Bull bounce back is what I'm looking for this weekend. Yeah, uh, the, the issue of weight is, uh, you know, very much uh, an early headline, um, especially after the, the racing in Bahrain and uh, the result that was, was shown there, uh, you know, especially... Uh, the Mercedes team looking nowhere near like their championship dominating selves of recent years. Um, in fact, according to the GP blog, um, an article written uh, on March 24th, um, Toto Wolf um, acknowledges that his cars, the Mercedes cars, um, are probably uh, 
uh, among the heaviest. And he also thinks that Red Bull may be in that same boat as well. Um, and in fact, somebody from Red Bull um, has kind of said as much as well. So the issue of you talked about, um, you know, teams uh, trying to do away with paint uh, to save uh, to save weight where they can, at least for the time being, until they're uh, able to work through their their parts and car designs and, and things of that nature to see if there's anything that they can do. Um, you know, that's that's going to be um, certainly a hindrance for uh, for Mercedes and you know, especially. You look at how they did versus Ferrari. Now, there again, you talked about uh, Ferrari and some of the issues that they had in free practice today with mm -hmm. uh, Leclerc having a fast uh, a fast time, but uh, running into trouble late in free practice too. Um, and I also think that um, uh, Carlos Sainz had some issues too in the other Ferrari. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get both of those cars fixed and uh maintain the speed that they had in free practice today and qualifying tomorrow uh, and, you know, where they go from here. Um, certainly, uh, you know, Ferrari has, has maintained their speed, their pace that they showed in Bahrain. So if they're there in, in qualifying, then they're definitely going to be a, a threat on Sunday. Um, with that said, I'll be very curious to see, um, how the uh, the Haas cars do? I think they had some some issues today. Um, Schumacher, I think, was still kind of middle of the pack, um, but it'll be interesting to me to see if he um, steps up and is able to um, score some points this weekend, um, and whether or not they're able to get Magnussen's car in a place where he is consistently fast. Also, that'll be a good question mark as well. And then. Um, you know, can Red Bull uh, last the whole race too? That'll be a, a big question. We did see, I think, Al, uh, Alpine have a, a good event uh, in Bahrain. So, uh, you know, some of these other teams, uh, you know, whether or not they'll be able to uh, maintain uh, their momentum from Bahrain too, that'll be interesting to see. And the nice thing about this is if you look at, it's going to be a, you know, from where we're recording, it's going to be a 1 p.m. race on ESPN in the U.S. So that ends up being very nice. And what turns that into is you're going to go right into the cup race after. So it should be a good day of racing. Indeed. So with that said, uh, let's go ahead and move into our final thoughts uh, for this weekend or for this episode. And let's talk a little bit more about Texas. Um, we talked about the, uh, the IndyCar race there from this past weekend. Um, and, you know, while the, um, the racing and the finish in particular were very good. Um, and uh, David, I think you mentioned the, the ratings may have improved a little bit this year from last year. The in-person attendance at this race um, was for lack of a better word, lacking. And uh, there's been some, you know, there, it definitely begs a question of, okay, uh, how can they do better um, at this track? And, uh, you know, or has the ship kind of sailed on IndyCar at, at uh, Texas Motor Speedway? So let's talk about that. And, and um, one thought I'd like to offer first is, um, Kind of a take on something I heard on um, on Sirius XM NASCAR uh, Channel ninety three this uh, 
uh, this last week, um, uh, Corey LaJoy was on with uh, Daniel Trotta uh, on, oh, I forget which day, but um, uh, the, um, Corey LaJoy was on with Daniel Trotta at, uh, at one point this week and talked about how turns one and two, which they had redesigned in their last repave uh, uh, several years ago, is now among the worst corners in all of the schedule, according to him, um, because of the banking that they took away. Um, and that um, uh, he was talking in particular about uh, arrow-related issues. And when you have um, more banking, it helps to provide more mechanical grip and help the car get sunk into the racetrack. Now, this being on the stock car side. Um, so there's that. But on the IndyCar side, uh, the PJ1 that had been put down to help the, uh, the stock car um, events has worked against the IndyCar series because of um, the lesser grip that it produces um, for IndyCars and the, the, uh, the types of setups and downforce packages that they run there to the point where if you get into that um, PJ1 in any notable fashion, then you will be extremely fortunate if you do not hit the wall. Um, mm -hmm. And in some cases, somewhat, you know, pretty hard too. So um, there was a considerable amount of work to try and scrub as much the PJ1 off uh, this for this past racing event um, this last weekend. And while it did have some effect to the point where they were able to go side by side a little bit more than in past years, um, there's still clearly an issue there. And it seems to me as though the fans may have take, taken note of that issue to the point where you know, very few of them showed up, um, according to uh, the Sports Business Journal. And by the way, I was talking about this uh, um, SBJ article earlier in the uh, spotlight. Um, they were citing some, uh, some information from the AP as well. So I want to make sure I, I uh, cite that correctly. But um, according to some information that uh, they're citing from racer.com, um, they estimate a crowd of only 5,000 for the IndyCar race. Um, and there was a whole host of different reasons why they thought that uh, that might have been the case, um, including uh, a start time of 1130 central time. But according to um, a, a quote from this article, there is no way to put a positive spin on the dire lack of people who deemed the series and its open wheel product as being worthy of their presence, close quote. So... David, where do we go from here? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for for a, a final thought on that is, I, I think Texas is, I, I, I think Texas is done. Um, this is becoming terrible. Um, I, I think a lot of people have said it. Even Robin Miller has echoed it when when he was alive. Is that Texas? It, it, it it's just not there. Um, it, it's like 
Charlotte. It's like how they ran Ellie. I mean, how they ran in Charlotte and in that one way. I think they just got to replace this. Um, whether that they go to Coda, whether that they go, they replace it and go to, I mean, I, I know Bruin Smith wants, wants a race there, but I think it might be time for Bruin Smith to say, Hey, why don't you take it to Charlotte? Let's do the road course there. Why don't you take it to, you know, or maybe we try Atlanta. Why don't we take it somewhere else? I think Texas is done. I think this was the final nail in the coffin. And I will not be surprised if Texas is not on the schedule. I, I will be surprised if it's on the schedule next year. I think it comes off the schedule next season and that's it yeah i mean it's definitely a possibility um and you know i I noted before about how nascar at indy had essentially given up the ship on the oval and had switched to the road course instead um and you know here at texas that may very well be the case too to where indycar may give up the ship on this track and you know, shift that date um, a few hours down the way to Circuit of the Americas, for example. Um, I You make some really good, some interesting points, David, about um, running, you know, the infield road course, for example, the Roval at Charlotte. Um, that's an interesting one, but as, as, um, as tight as that course is, I question whether or not it would be workable for um, for IndyCar, especially with some of the curbs and things that they run there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but with that said, I think what this all s- says, um, you know, all things put together is this iteration of Texas, which, you know, nothing against Texas Motor Speedway there, you know, this effort was, uh, or, you know, this design of the racetrack was not for a lack of effort on their part. They're trying things. They're trying things to um, to make the racing there better than what it was. So good on them for that. But it's I think it's pretty clear at this point when you look at them having to put down PJ1, and they're not the only track to do this, um, to enhance the racing from the stock car side. And then you have those effects on the IndyCar side to the point where um, very little of the racetrack is workable for them. Um, Clearly what they have there now, I think, isn't working. So the only way that it's going to be able to remain a viable part of, um, uh, of IndyCar going forward and quite possibly NASCAR too. I mean, it's it's pretty damning what Corey LaJoy had to say about um, about the track and turns one and two in particular, um, where you know the the track doesn't appear to be very well liked um, by anybody right now, um, and so with that in mind. Um, there, it may be time for a significant change there and possibly a re redesign 
back to something akin to what it was when it was first built uh, back in the mid nineties. Yeah. We shall see, but clearly um, what is there now? Um, you know, it doesn't seem to be um, very workable. Now there's yeah. also a question too of, well, how good of a job did they do promoting this race? Um, because we talked about how well attended um, the NASCAR weekend was in Atlanta and how big of a challenge it's been to get butts in the seats there before. And they got it done and then some this past weekend. They have, um, you know, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I think, might even be larger in population than uh, Atlanta. And yet this was all that they could get for uh, for the IndyCar event. So, you know, that begs the question of, okay, well, how much promotion were they doing? Um, you know, I'll confess, I haven't uh, read anything on that, but um, uh, clearly there's, there's uh, you know, a number of question marks and some soul searching that is gonna have to happen, I think, across the board to see how, uh, how they can, uh, improve the, um, the interest there at the very least. I mean, we talked about, you know, they had a, um, overall a pretty good race, a really, really good finish. Um, but nobody was there to see it. So something's gotta, there, there has to be some sort of change in order to, to turn that around because it, it doesn't seem sustainable to me going forward. Yeah, most, most certainly. So, I mean, I, I agree. Something's got to change, and 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 that's what's got to happen. It, it's something has to change, or or that's it. You know, Texas is going to go as what Texas World Speedway was, mm-hmm. and that will be it. <laughs> yep. So we shall see, but um, certainly some. Uh, uh, some exciting racing coming up this weekend. Um, we'll have uh, a lot more to talk about it. Uh, there's uh, a number of, uh, you know, major headlines that, um, within the racing world that, you know, are still kind of breaking right now um, that we'll probably have more to talk about. Uh, if not this next episode uh, in the coming episodes, uh, you know, there was the news about uh, the penalty against RFK racing, uh, an L2 penalty for modifying a part, a uh, single source uh, vendor part there that um, is very much in its infancy right now. Um, obviously, the uh, developments at, um, at Saudi Arabia with the Formula One cars uh, uh, just today, there's probably going to be more to, to come of that here uh, in the coming days and weeks. So, um, Certainly a lot of things to keep our eye on going forward. Um, and we'll be here to, uh, to talk about it all. But uh, for now, this is episode number 36. And this is Elliot Tardif saying thank you very much for listening to From Checker to Green. And we look forward to uh, your listenership in our next episode. Thank you. I'm David Mai. Thank you for listening to the From Checker to Green podcast. And thank you for your listenership. This is the From Checker to Green podcast.